Volume Two, Chapter Eight of *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Some farther particulars respecting the state of Mrs. Barnaby's heart. Tender doubts and fears on the part of the major, all set to rest by the gentle kindness of the widow. Some accounts of Mrs. Peter's concert and of the terrible events which followed it we have left the widow barnaby too long and must hasten back to her there was altogether a strange mixture of worldly wisdom and of female folly in her character for first one and then the other preponderated as circumstances occurred had a man richer than she believed the fascinating major to be proposed to her even at the very tenderest climax of his courtship there is no doubt in the world but she would have accepted him but when all her pecuniary anxieties were lulled into a happy doze by the pleasing statements of messrs william and maintree her love-making propensities awoke she was again the martha compton of silverton and became so exceedingly attached to the major's society that neither mrs peter's concert nor any other engagement in which she did not share could have compensated for one of those delightful tete-a-tete evenings during which agnes enjoyed the society of her friends when major allen saw the invitation card from rodney place lying on the table he said do you intend to go dearest have you a card major was the reply and when the rejoinder produced a negative she added then most assuredly i shall not go a degree of fidelity that was very satisfactory to the major who began to discover that his newness in the society of clifton was wearing off and that he was eyed askance whenever he ventured to appear where gentlemen assembled a thousand fond follies of course diversified these frequent tete-a-tete and upon one occasion the major in a sudden burst of jealous tenderness declared that notwithstanding the many proofs of affection she had granted him there was one without which he could not be satisfied as his dreams perpetually tormented him with visions of rivals who succeeded in snatching her from him oh major what folly exclaimed the lady have you not yet learned to read my heart but what is there foolish as you are what is there that i could refuse to you that it was not inconsistent with my honour to grant your honour beautiful juno know you not that your honour is dearer to me than my own what i would ask my beloved martha can attach no disgrace to you but in fact i shall not know a moment's ease till you have given me a promise of marriage i know my love that you have relations here who will leave no stone unturned to prevent our union and the idea that they may succeed distracts me will you forgive this weakness and grant what i implore you know i will foolish man but i will have your promise in return or you will think my love less fervent than your own returned the widow playfully to this the major made no objection and so in mary's sport these promises were signed and exchanged amidst many lover-like jestings on their own folly this happened just three days before the eventful concert and in the interval major allen received a letter from his friend maintree who was still at bath requesting him to join him there in order to give him the advantage of his valuable advice on a matter of great importance it was of course with extreme reluctance that he tore himself away but it was a sacrifice demanded by friendship and he would make it as he told the widow on condition that she would rescind her refusal to mrs peters and pass the evening of his absence at her house she agreed to this and he left her only in time to enable her to dress for the party the being accompanied by her aunt was a considerable drawback to any pleasure agnes had anticipated from the evening and the stroke came upon her by surprise 
for mrs barnaby did not deem it necessary to stand on such ceremony with her sister as to ask leave to come after having been once invited mrs peters looked vexed and disconcerted when she entered but perceiving the anxiety with which agnes was watching to see how she bore it she recalled her smiles placed her prodigiously fine sister-in-law on a sofa with two other dowagers desired mr peters to go and talk to her and then seizing upon agnes led her among the party of amateurs who were indulging in gossip and tea at a snug table in the second drawing-room she was immediately introduced as a young friend who would prove a great acquisition and two or three songs in her own old-fashioned style were assigned pretty nearly without waiting for her consent to her performance but with an observation from mrs peters that she could not refuse because they were the very songs she had sung when mr stephenson was there in the morning all this was said and done in a bustle and a hurry and agnes carried off captive to the region where the business of the evening was already beginning with the tuning of instruments and the arrangement of desks before she well knew what she intended to do or say she would have felt the embarrassment more had her mind been fully present to the scene but it was not she knew that mr stephenson and his friend were expected and no spot of earth had much interest for her at that moment except the doorway her suspense lasted not long however for they soon entered together and then her heart bounded the colour varied on her cheek and her whole frame trembled mr stephenson was by her side in a moment but she was conscious of this only sufficiently to make her feel a pang because colonel hubert had not followed him far from approaching her indeed he seemed to place himself studiously at a distance and instantly a deep gloom appeared in the eyes of agnes to have fallen upon every object the lights were dim every instrument out of tune and the civilities of mr stephenson so extremely troublesome that she thought if they continued she must certainly leave the room the overture began and she was desired to sit down in the place assigned her but this as she found left her open on one side to the pertinacious whisperings of mr stephenson and with a movement of irritation quite new to her she got up again with her cheeks burning to ask for a place in the very middle of a row of ladies who could not comply with her request without real difficulty as soon as she had reached her new station she raised her eyes and looked towards the spot where she had seen colonel hubert place himself there he was still and moreover his eyes were evidently fixed upon her why will he not speak to me mentally exclaimed poor agnes or why does he so look at me it would not have been difficult for colonel hubert to have given an answer while they were taking coffee together half an hour before they set off frederick stephenson told his friend that his fate would that night be decided for he had made up his mind to propose to miss willoughby colonel hubert started of course frederick you do not decide upon this without being pretty certain what the answer will be was the reply of colonel hubert you know the definition silvius gives of love returned frederick it is to be all made of faith and service and so am i for agnes wherefore as my service is and shall be perfect so also shall be my faith nor will i ever submit myself to the misery of doubting either she is mine at once or i fly where i can never see her more after this colonel hubert very naturally preferred looking on from a distance to making any approach that might disturb the declared purpose of his friend bystanders see most is an old proverb and all such speak truly frederick notwithstanding his perfect service was not by many a degree so near discovering the true state of miss willoughby's feelings as his friend not indeed that colonel hubert discovered anything relating to himself 
but he saw weariness and distaste in the movement of agnes's head and the mournful expression of her face even before the decisive manoeuvre by which she escaped from him who was only waiting for an opportunity of confessing himself to be all made of adoration duty and observance an indescribable sensation of pleasure tingled through the veins of colonel hubert as he observed this but the next moment his heart reproached him with a bitter pang am i then a traitor to him who has so frankly trusted me thought he no by heaven poor frederick angel as she is he well deserves her for from the very first he has thought of her and her only while i the study of her aunt's absurdities i deem the more attractive speculation of the two agnes you are avenged the good-humoured frederick meantime though foiled in his hope of engrossing her quickly found consolation in listening to miss peters who confided to him all her doubts and fears respecting the possibility of her friend's finding courage to sing before so large an audience for god's sake do not plague her about it said he though to be sure such a voice as hers would be enough to embellish any concert in the world it is only on mamma's account replied mary that i am anxious for it she has been so disappointed about miss roberts i wish after lucy's next duet with james while elizabeth is accompanying the violoncello that you would contrive to get near her where she is trying to keep out of the way poor thing and tell her that my mother wishes to speak to her frederick readily undertook the commission not ill-pleased to be thus confirmed in his belief that she had not run away from him but for some other reason which he had not before understood miss peters was far from imagining what an effectual means she had hit upon for making her friend agnes take a place among the performers she had continued to sit during the long duet triumphing in the clever management that had placed her out of the way of everybody and perfectly aware though she by no means appeared to watch him steadily that colonel hubert did not feel at all more gay or happy than herself but lo just at the moment indicated by mary the smiling bowing handsome frederick stephenson contrived civilly and silently to make his way between crowded rows of full-dressed ladies to the place where agnes fancied herself in such perfect security he delivered his message but not without endeavouring to make her understand how superlatively happy the commission had made him this was too much to sit within the same room that held colonel hubert without his taking the slightest notice of her and that too after all the sweet delusive visions of the morning was quite dreadful enough without having to find answers for words she did not hear and dress her face in smiles when she was so very much disposed to weep i will sing every song they will let me thought she ill or well it matters not now i will bear anything but being talked to giving the eager messenger nothing but a silent nod in return for all his trouble agnes again rose and made her way to mrs peters it chanced that mary lucy and one or two other ladies were in consultation with her at a part of the room exactly within sight of mrs barnaby who having found her neighbours civilly disposed to answer all her questions had thus far remained tolerably contented and quiet but the scene she now witnessed aroused her equally to jealousy and astonishment mrs peters who from the moment she had deposited her on the sofa had never bestowed a single word upon her but on the contrary kept very carefully out of her way had hitherto been supposed by her self-satisfied sister-in-law to be too much occupied in arranging the progress of the musical performance to have any time left to bestow upon her relations yet now she saw her in the centre of the room devoting her whole attention to agnes evidently presenting her to one or two of the most elegant-looking among her company 
and finally taking her by the hand as if she had been the most important personage present and leading her with smiles and an air of the most flattering attention to the pianoforte who is that beautiful girl ma'am said one of mrs barnaby's talkative neighbours thinking perhaps that she had a right in her turn to question a person who had so freely questioned her what girl ma'am returned mrs barnaby for use so lessens a marvel that she had become almost unconscious of the uncommon loveliness of her niece or at any rate was too constantly occupied by other concerns to pay much attention to it the young lady in black crape who mrs peters has just led to the instrument upon my word i think she is the most beautiful person i ever saw oh that's my niece ma'am and i'm sure i don't know what nonsense my sister peters has got in her head about her i hope she is not going to pretend to play without asking my leave it is time i should look after her and so saying the indignant mrs barnaby arose determined upon sharing the notice at least if not the favour bestowed upon her dependent kinswoman but she was immediately compelled to reseat herself by the universal hush that buzzed around her for at that moment the superb voice of agnes burst upon the room and startled the dull ear of the least attentive listener in it the effect was so wholly unlooked for and so great that the demonstration of it might naturally have been expected to overpower so young a performer miss peters therefore the moment the song was over hastened to her friend expecting to find her agitated trembling and in want of an arm to support her but instead of this she found agnes perfectly tranquil apparently unconscious of having produced any sensation at all in the company at large and in fact looking for the first time since she entered the room happy and at her ease the cause of this could only be found where miss peters never thought of looking for it namely in the position and countenance of colonel hubert he had not indeed yet spoken much to her but enough at least to convince her that he was not more indifferent than in the morning and in short enough to raise her from the miserable state of dejection and annoyance which made her fly with such irritated feelings from the attentions of frederick to such a state of joyous hopefulness as made her almost giddily unmindful of every human being around her save one though agnes had restlessly left the place when she had first seen colonel hubert ensconce himself in a corner apparently as far from her as possible she chose another equally convenient for tormenting herself by watching him and for perceiving also that nothing save his own will and pleasure detained him from her from this as we have seen she was again driven by poor frederick and forgetting her shyness and all other minor evils in the misery of being talked to when her heart was breaking she determined upon singing solely to get out of his way her false courage however faded past as she approached the instrument she remembered with a keenness amounting almost to agony those songs of the morning that she had since been rehearsing in spirit in the dear belief that they had charmed away his stately reserve for ever and she was desperately meditating the best mode of making a precipitate retreat when on reaching the spot kept sacred to the performers and their music-desks she perceived colonel hubert in the midst of them who immediately placed himself at her side where according to rule he had no business to be and asked her in a whisper if she meant to accompany herself the revulsion of feeling produced by this most unexpected address was violent indeed her whole being seemed changed in a moment her heart beat her eyes sparkled with recovered happiness and she literally remembered nothing but that she was going to sing to him again in answer to his question she said with a smile that made him very nearly as forgetful of all around as herself do you think i had better do it or shall i ask elizabeth 
no no ask no one he replied and what shall i sing again whispered agnes the last song you sang this morning was the reply orpheus was never inspired by a more powerful feeling than that which now animated the renovated spirit of agnes and she performed as she never had performed before the result was a burst of applause that ought selon les règles to have been overpowering to her feelings yet there she stood blushing a little certainly but looking as light-hearted and as happy as the peri when readmitted into paradise just at this moment and exactly as colonel hubert was offering his arm to lead her back again to a place among the company mrs barnaby feathered rouged ringleted and desperately determined to share the honours of the hour made her way proud in the consciousness of attracting an hundred eyes up to the conspicuous place where agnes stood she had already taken colonel hubert's arm and for an instant he seemed disposed to attempt leading her off in the contrary direction but if he really meditated so bold a measure he was completely foiled for mrs barnaby laying her hand on his in a very friendly way exclaimed in her most fascinating style of vivacity no no colonel you are vastly obliging but i must take care of my own niece if you please she sings just like her poor mother my dear mary she added changing her tone to a sentimental whine i assure you it is almost too much for my feelings and as she said this she drew the unhappy agnes away having thrown her arm around her waist while she kissed her affectedly on the forehead colonel hubert hovered about her for a few minutes but whatever might be the fascinations that attracted him they were apparently not strong enough to resist another personal attack from mrs barnaby what a crowd she exclaimed suddenly turning towards him do colonel give me your arm and we will go and eat some ice in the other room upon which he suddenly retreated among the throng and in two minutes had left the house it is true that at the moment the widow so audaciously asked for his arm frederick stephenson was just presenting his to agnes which it is possible might have added impulse to the velocity of this sudden exit but whichever was the primary feeling both together were more than he could bear and accordingly like many other conquered heroes he sought safety in flight of what happened in that room during the rest of the evening poor agnes could have given no account to sing again she assured her friends was quite beyond her power and she looked so very pale and so very miserable as she said this that they believed she had really overexerted herself and delighted by the brilliant success of her one song permitted her to remain unmolested by further solicitations frederick stephenson also doubted not that the unusual effort she had made before so large a party was the cause of her evident dejection though he could not but feel that the appearance and manner of her aunt were likely enough to increase this but at all events it was no time to breathe into her ear the tale of love he had prepared for it so after asking miss peters if he should be likely to find her friend at rodney place on the following morning and receiving from her a cordial oh yes certainly he also took his leave more in love than ever and though mortified by the disappointment this long-expected evening had brought him as sanguine as ever in his hopes for the morrow mrs barnaby was one of the last guests that departed as next to the pleasure of being made love to the gratification of finding herself in a large party with the power of calling the giver of it her dear sister ranked highest in her present estimation agnes was anxiously waiting for her signal to depart but no sooner was she shut up in the fly with her than she heartily wished herself back again for a torrent of scolding was poured forth upon her as unexpected as it was painful 
and it is thus ungrateful viper as you are that you reward my kindness never have you deigned to tell me that you could sing no you wicked wicked creature you leave me to find it out by accident while your new friends or rather new strangers are made your confidants while i am to sit by and look like a fool because i never heard of it before it was only because there was a pianoforte there aunt i cannot sing without one ungrateful wretch reproaching me with not spending my last shilling in buying pianofortes but i will tell you miss what your fine singing shall end in you shall go upon the stage mark my words you shall go upon the stage miss willoughby and sing for your bread no husband of mine shall ever be taxed to maintain such a mean-spirited ungrateful conceited upstart as you are agnes attempted no farther explanation and the silent tears these revilings drew were too well in accordance with her worn-out spirits and sinking heart to be very painful she only longed for her closet and the unbroken stillness of night that she might shed them without fear of interruption but this was destined to be a night of disappointments for even this melancholy enjoyment was denied her on arriving at their lodgings the door was opened by the servant of the house and when mrs barnaby imperiously demanded where is my maid where is jerningham she was told that jerningham had gone out and was not yet returned now jerningham was an especial favourite with her mistress being a gossip and a sycophant of the first order and the delinquency of not being come home at very nearly one o'clock in the morning elicited no expression of anger but a good deal of alarm dear me what can have become of her poor dear girl i fear she must have met with some accident what o'clock was it when she went out such questionings lasted till the stairs were mounted and the lady had entered her bedroom but no sooner did she reach the commode and placed her candle upon it then she uttered a tremendous scream followed by exclamations which speedily explained to agnes and the servant the misfortune that had befallen her i am robbed i am ruined look here look here my box broken open and every farthing of money gone all my forks too all my spoons and my cream jug and my mustard pot i am ruined i am robbed but you shall be answerable the mistress of the house shall be answerable you must have let the thieves in you must for the house-door was not broke open the girl of the house looked exceedingly terrified and asked if she had not better call up her mistress to be sure you had you fool do you think i am going to sleep in a room where thieves have been suffered to enter while i was out how do i know but they may be lurking about still waiting to murder me the worthy widow to whom the house belonged speedily joined the group in nightcap and bedgown and listened half awake to mrs barnaby's clamorous account of her misfortune as soon as she began to understand the statement which was a good deal encumbered by lamentations and threats the quiet little old woman without appearing to take the least offence at the repeated assertion that she must have let the thieves in herself turned to her servant and said is the lady's maid come in sally no ma'am said sally she has never come back since she went out with a gentleman's servant as come to fetch her then you may depend upon it ma'am that tis your maid as have robbed you said the landlady my maid what jerningham impossible she is the best girl in the world an innocent creature that i had away from school tis downright impossible and i will never believe it well ma'am said the widow 
let it be who it will it won't be possible to catch him to-night and i would advise you to go to bed for the poor young lady looks pale and frightened and to-morrow morning ma'am i would recommend your asking mr peters what is best to be done and how am i to be sure that there are no thieves in the house now cried mrs barnaby open the door of your closet agnes and look under the beds and you mrs crocker you must go into the drawing-room and downstairs and upstairs and everywhere before i lay my poor dear head upon my pillow i don't choose to have my throat cut i promise you good heavens what will major allen say i don't think ma'am that we should any of us like to have our throats cut replied mrs crocker and luckily there is no great likelihood of it i fancy good night ladies and without waiting for any further discussion the sleepy mistress of the mansion crept back to bed her handmaiden followed her example and agnes was left alone to receive upon her devoted head the torrent of lamentations by which the bereaved mrs barnaby gave vent to her sorrows during great part of the night on the following morning the widow took mrs crocker's very reasonable advice and repaired to rodney place in time to find mr peters before he set off on his daily walk to bristol agnes pale fatigued and heavy-hearted accompanied her and so striking was the change in her appearance from what it had been the day before that those of the party round the breakfast-table who best loved her were much more pleased than pained when they learned that the cause of her bad night and consequent ill looks was her aunt's having been robbed of nearly a hundred pounds and a few articles of plate they were too judicious however to mention their satisfaction and the sorrows of the widow received from all the party a very suitable measure of condolence mr peters indeed did much more than condole with her for he cordially offered his assistance and it was soon settled by his advice that mrs barnaby should immediately accompany him to the mayor and afterwards proceed according to the instructions of a lawyer to whom he immediately dispatched a note requesting that he would meet them forthwith before the magistrate the carriage was then ordered agnes by the advice of all parties was left at rodney place and mrs barnaby somewhat comforted but still in great tribulation set off in her dear sister's coach her best consolation to testify before the mayor of bristol not only that she had been robbed but that there certainly was some reason to suppose her maid jerningham the thief mr peters found his lawyer ready to receive them who after hearing the lady's statement obtained a warrant for the apprehension of elizabeth jacks and of william blank surname unknown groom or valet or both to major allen lodging in gloucester row clifton the widow had very considerable scruples concerning the implication of this latter individual but having allowed that she thought he must be the gentleman's servant spoken of by mrs crocker's maid as having accompanied jerningham when she left the house she was assured that it would be necessary to include him and she finally consented on its being made manifest to her that if he proved innocent there would be no difficulty whatever in obtaining his release mrs barnaby was then requested accurately to describe the persons of her maid and her supposed companion which she did very distinctly and with the less difficulty because the persons of both were remarkable there wasn't another man likely to be in her company was there ma'am said a constable who was in attendance in the office no replied mrs barnaby confidently i don't know any one at all likely to be with her i am almost sure that she had not any other acquaintance but the man might observed another official that's true rejoined the first and therefore i strongly suspect that i saw the girl and the man too enter a house on the quay just fit for such sort of company but there was another fellow along with them then we will charge you with the warrant miles said the magistrate 
if you can succeed in taking them into custody at once it is highly probable that you may be able to recover the property this hint rendered the widow extremely urgent that no time should be lost and in case the constable should succeed in finding them at the place he had named she consented to remain in a room attached to the office that no time might be lost in identifying the parties there will be no harm i suppose in taking the other fellow on suspicion if i find them still together said the constable adding i rather think i know something of that t'other chap already he received authority to do this and then departed leaving mrs barnaby her faithful squire mr peters and the lawyer seated on three stools in a dismal sort of apartment within the office the lady at least being in a state of very nervous expectation this position was not a pleasant one but fortunately it did not last long for in considerably less than an hour they were requested to return into the office the three prisoners being arrived mr peters gave the lady his arm and they entered by a door exactly facing the spot on which stood the three persons just brought in with the constable and two attendant officers behind them the group as expected consisted of two men and a girl which latter was indeed the tall and slender betty jacks and no other the man at her left hand was william the major's civil groom and he at her right was no it was impossible yet she could not mistake it must be and in fact it was that pattern of faithful friendship captain maintry mrs barnaby's agitation was now beyond all suspicion of affectation very considerable and his worship obligingly ordered a glass of water and a chair which having been procured and profited by he asked her if she knew the prisoners yes she answered with a long-drawn sigh can you point them out by name the girl is my maid jer betty jacks that man is william major allen's groom and that other you had better stop there interrupted the self-styled captain or you may chance to say more than you know you had better be silent i promise you said the magistrate pray ma'am do you know that person did you ever see him before yes i have seen him before replied mrs barnaby who was pale in spite of her rouge for the recollection of all the affectionate intimacy she had witnessed between this man and her affianced major turned her very sick and it was quite as much as she could do to articulate i should be sorry ma'am to trouble you with any unnecessary questions said the magistrate but i must beg you to tell me if you please where it is you have seen him and what he is called i saw him in the mall at clifton sir replied mrs barnaby and many an honest man besides me may have been seen in the mall at clifton said the soi-disant captain maintry laughing and you have never seen him anywhere else ma'am no sir never pray was he then in company with that groom no replied the widow faltering maintry laughed again you cannot then swear that you suspect him of having robbed you no sir here the constable whispered something in the ear of the magistrate who nodded and then resumed his examination did you hear this man's name mentioned madam when you saw him in the mall yes sir i did that has nothing to do with the present business interrupted maintry and therefore you have no right to ask it i suspect that you have called yourself in this city by more names than one replied the magistrate and i have a right to discover this if i can by what name did you hear him called when you saw him at clifton ma'am i heard him called captain maintry captain indeed these fellows are all captains and majors i think said the magistrate making a memorandum of the name 
mrs barnaby's heart sunk within her she remembered the promise of marriage and that so acutely as almost to make her forget the business that brought her there the magistrate and the lawyer however were less oblivious and proceeded in the usual manner to discover whether there were sufficient grounds of suspicion against any of the parties to justify committal the very first question addressed to betty jacks settled the business for she began crying and sobbing at a piteous rate and said if mistress will forgive me i'll tell her all about it and a great deal more too and twasn't my fault nor williams neither have so much as joe purdom's for he set us on and she indicated joe purdom with a finger which as her lengthy arm reached within an inch of his nose could not be mistaken as to the person to whom it intended to act as index but had this been insufficient the search instituted on the persons of the trio would have supplied all the proof wanted very nearly all the money was discovered within the lining of purdom's hat the pockets of betty were heavy with forks and spoons and the cream jug and mustard pot carelessly enveloped each in a pocket handkerchief were lodged upon the person of william in a word the parties were satisfactorily identified and committed to prison the property of mrs barnaby was in a fair way of being restored and her very disagreeable business at bristol done and over leaving nothing but a ride back in her sister's coach to be accomplished mr peters offered his arm to lead her out and with a dash of honest triumph at having so ably managed matters said well madam i hope you are pleased with the termination of this business what a question for mrs barnaby to answer pleased was she pleased pleased at having every reason in the world to believe that she had given a promise of marriage to the friend and associate of a common thief but the spirit of the widow did not forsake her and after one little hysterical gasp she replied by uttering a thousand thanks and a million assurances that nothing could possibly be more satisfactory she was not however quite in a condition to meet the questionings which would probably await her at rodney place and as mr peters did not return in the carriage she ordered the man to set her down at sion row she could not refuse to mrs crocker the satisfaction of knowing that jerningham was the thief that jerningham was committed to prison and that she was bound over to prosecute but it was all uttered as briefly as possible and then she shut herself in her drawing-room to take counsel with herself as to what could be done to get her out of this terrible scrape without confessing either to mr peters or any one else that she had ever got into it for the remainder of the day she might easily plead illness and fatigue to excuse her seeing anybody and as it was not till the day following that she expected the return of the major she had still some hours to meditate upon the ways and means of extricating herself towards night she became more tranquil for she had made up her mind what to do she would meet him as fondly as ever and then so play her game as to oblige him to let her look at the promise she had given once within reach of my hand thought she the danger will be over this scheme so effectually cheered her spirits that when agnes returned home in the evening she had no reason whatever to suspect that her aunt had anything particularly disagreeable upon her mind for she only called her a fool twice and threatened to send her upon the stage three times End of chapter eight